Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon and welcome to our sermon discussion. I am Michelle Lichty and I am here today with David Henderson. Hi, you all. Great to be with you. Good to have you back on our sermon discussion. It's It feels like we are mid to late January, but it feels like I'm still trying to get into the groove of life after Christmas. I'm with you on that. And especially with my having just been away for a week, I feel uh, I'm kind of trying to figure out which which hemisphere am I in and which time zone am I in? Yes. <laughs> Yes, for sure. Well, we are here today to discuss your sermon from this past Sunday, David, called Facing Trials, based on James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And um, one of the first things you talked about, you said, well, you put up the verses on the screen and said, okay, let's count how many times God is mentioned in these verses. Hmm. And then we were all like, wait, he's not. Right. He's yeah. not mentioned. And I just, I really appreciated that as I thought mm. about that. Um, you know, God wasn't mentioned, but all the action verbs are, are attributed to him, to God, to the Holy Spirit's work. And as I thought about that, I thought, how easy is it for us when, especially when we're in the midst of difficulties to, to say, God, you're not here. You're not with me. Because we're looking at the circumstances and not the actions where God is kind of hidden unless we look for him. Exactly. That's such a great, succinct way to frame it, Michelle. And that, and as I talked about, and that kind of leads into the heart of the book, what, which is literally at the heart of the book. And so often in ancient, in ancient works, the main idea is found right in the center of the book. Um, this this um, realization that we there are two choices. I leave God out of the picture. I put him at the center of the picture. And, mm-hmm. and I think uh, this passage gets that beautifully. That was a really fun aha uh, moment for me when I was thinking about that very thing, about how God seems to just be absent so often in the midst of trials. And then when we don't look for him, we can get sideways in such a hurry. It's like, wait, he's not, he's not even mentioned here. And yet this entire passage makes absolutely no sense it's all the work of god it makes no sense without him in the picture yeah and i just think it's just important to remember as we're going through trials or or difficult circumstances that he is everywhere and we and if we feel like we can't see him all we have to do is ask and he'll show himself to us right Yes, and there's also, I, th- yes, um, and alongside that, there is this choice of faith that we make. It's not mm. based on a feeling. It's not based on this emotional sense of connection with God. It's just a choice. I choose on the basis of what you have revealed to me in your word by your spirit to stand in the confidence that you are present and working good in this moment, even when I, I just can't see anything but my trials. 
Mm. And that is one of the really interesting things about that word we talked about that, that where it talks about when you experience trials and there are different translations use different words, but it, it really has the idea of being, of falling into them and then being surrounded by them. You know, they kind of, mm. they do a pile on tackle on us and all we can see is the legs and the arms of our trials. And we can't see anywhere past that, especially in that moment, our choice to be confident that God is present and is good and is working is huge in terms of how we actually walk through that experience. Hmm. Yes, it is. And as we were, you know, you mentioned, you talked about facing trials. And we did something this last week that we haven't done for a while that I can recall. It's just kind of go through and define the words. Mm-hmm. We haven't done that recently. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that kind of Bible study. So I really enjoyed, enjoyed walking through and defining each of these words and understanding the context of it. And um, yeah, because a lot of times I'm tempted to think when I'm in the middle of difficult circumstances, like, okay, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Yes. What did I do wrong? Why, why, why am I here? And when we understand what this word, what these words mean in context, it's, oh, wait, sometimes things happen without it, me being at fault. Yes. And, and Michelle, that is, I think that is incredibly astute. What did I do wrong? And then what is the one specific thing God is trying to teach me that I can't miss? And, Mm -hmm. and I think those two wrongly framed questions lead us so often to to not go through trials the way God intends us to go through them there's as we will be reminded when we get to the end of this that there are a dozen different ways that God promises us he will be working during difficulties and trials and it's Mm -hmm. so broad it's so much more than just what am I doing wrong where is he correcting me what's the thing I can't the thing I can't miss that God is doing is I don't want to miss the reason God is doing it. I think that's just a wrong way to think. No, there's so many reasons God mm. allows us to work. And some of them we'll never see. And some of them we won't, it won't be until 20 years later. We look back and go, huh, wow, what do you know? Look how yeah. it turns out that God was using that trial in my life that I never even saw in the moment. But yeah, I think, Michelle, I think that is so right. So just to hop back wow. to your comment about the words, um, I think we can forget this. We have such amazingly faithful translations and they're based Mm. on so many ancient documents that we have. Uh I think one of the things that we can miss sometimes is the fact that every different language is its own way of making sense of things. And it's consistent with a certain frame of reference, a way of looking out onto the world. And when you hop from one language into another language, it's so rare that there's a direct one-to-one correlation between words. Almost always you're, you're thinking, well, what's the closest word I could find that would get to this? And so often mm-hmm. it's even a combination of words in our language where it's, it's one word in another language is two different ideas or the overlap between two different ideas and ours. And, and right. I, I've already found in this passage of James, and we're going to find it again very much in the one I'm preaching on this coming Sunday, that um, we can make assumptions about the words we see that can really be wrong. And hmm. now, this was a particularly uh, rewarding 
word study passage as I went through it. I mean, just one of example when it says consider. Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah, how should I, what should my perspective be on the trials that I have? And we think the word consider is the one that's in, was in the NIV translation. It, it just talks about, you know, um, think about it from this vantage point. It might be how we would uh, think about that word. Right. But to discover that it's actually getting at two ideas. One is to value or esteem them. It's like, wow, how do I do that? To value or esteem difficulties I'm in the middle of, but then it goes even further. And then it talks about um, being led by them, being, letting them usher us into something. And so I value this as something that will bring me into something. Wow. What a completely different way of understanding how I should think about these trials than just consider this, you know, hmm. it's, um, have this intellectual thought experience. No, it's very different than that. It's kind of a, let your heart be soft before God in the midst of these hard things in life. Hmm. Let your heart be soft before God. That is so important. And I think, um, it's, but in when we're in the middle of the difficulties, that is not necessarily the first thing we do. <laughs> and so, no. um, yeah. So as I'm thinking about, uh, where we're, going to go in this conversation I was think you know my first instinct was well let's just go through all these words again that were just so interesting but then I think you know really how like what steps can we take to allow our hearts to be soft before God what does that look like I have some ideas I'd like to hear yours jump in I'd love to hear yours <laughs> Well, for me, I, one of the things that I have really grown into is stillness and silence before the Lord. Now, you know, as a mom of young children, I did not have that, um, except maybe snippets here and there, a minute or two here, or five minutes there. Um, so when I say stillness and silence, nowadays, I can have 5, 10, 15 minutes at a time without interruption. Um, and, I, and I think God honored the snippets of time that I gave or had when my children were small. So I don't want, you know, parents of young children to be thinking, well, that's impossible for me because, well, right. it, yes, it is. 15 minutes of quiet is impossible for you. And that's okay. God can use 30 seconds. He can use a minute. So that's, that was the first thing mm -hmm. is making that time when I'm at my best. So for me, that's mornings. Yeah. So, and just to play off that, Michelle, um, it's interesting because what you just said has nothing to do with being in trials and right. has everything to do with being in trials because it's what you do before the trials come. And yes. I think that's some of where James is starting this passage. He, when he says, consider your trials in this way, I think he's, he's really saying, establish this frame of reference for your trials so that when they come upon you, you're not, um, you're not thrown by them. So the first one is mm. 
when you experience, not if, if for some reason you're one of the exceptional human beings who actually experiences difficulty or struggle, here's how you should. It's like, no, every one of us is going to face this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come. Trials right. are part of the Christian life. And in fact, a central part in so many ways. So when you're not in the middle of it, when it's harder to get a clear perspective, establish that clear perspective ahead of time, which is what? This is an instrument. Every trial uh-huh. I will ever experience is an instrument in the hands of, of a loving God. And I can value and esteem it as a gift that comes from him. I don't have to be joyful about the trial, but I can be joyful about the kind of God who is so eager to help me grow, to become more like Jesus and to grow in leaning into him and, and experiencing the fullness of who he is. And then ask God to prepare in you a soft heart that is ready to meet God in his goodness in the midst of the heart of life and, and the parts of it that are terrible. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I, I would say that would be a kind of a step one uh, that is so, would be so crucial. Um, right. And, uh, yeah. and then in it, the one that we were just talking about before, Michelle, mm-hmm. um, the first thing I do in a trial is reach for God. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, and our impulse is to do everything but that. It's I, I need to hunker down. I need to shore up. I need to build a defense. I need to get my um, my uh, people in around me. I need to, mm. you know, we're all the ways that we um, armor up when we're in the midst of trials. And mm-hmm. I think to have my first instinct just be, God, help me. Uh, mm. And to say it a hundred times a day. I, Psalm 105, verse for I think it is continually seek God or seek his face always. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when we do those two things, when I'm, I already know ahead of time that this is a significant way that God intends to be at work in my life to make me more Jesus-like. Mm-hmm. And then when my first instinct with a soft heart is to reach to God and say, okay, God, meet me in this. I think those two things set us up in such a significant way to let whatever we're experiencing be of God. Yeah. And for us to cooperate with what he's meaning to do through those difficult. And that cooperation, that that's going to look different every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and can be so hard because, oh, yeah. I mean, my first instinct is to be like, uh, no, thank you. I'll pass yeah. on this one. Thanks much. And I don't right. want to cooperate with God and with what he's doing. No, that's right. Um, just, to, just to this point, uh, and this is um, one of my favorite stories. I think I've already shared it on this, uh, on, in our conversations. But um, I uh, was in an experience early on after I came to Covenant. I had an incredibly difficult relationship with um, a friend and a leader in the church that went south. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, um, it, it just was there was a, um, it just got very challenging. And, and so I called my best friend, Danny, and, um, and I, I called to just have him commiserate with me. I mean, actually, what I would have liked him to have done is to say, how about if I just hop on the next plane, come up and talk to this guy, you know, it's, you know, obviously that's not really (laughs) what I wanted for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Share in my sense of the injustice of this and come to my defense. Mm -hmm. So instead, here's what Danny does. I, I share all about this. He listens beautifully, asks some exploratory questions, and then I'm done. Long pause. David, um, 
what do you think might be God's gift to you in allowing this man to be a part of your life and allowing this to happen? And I remember saying to him, Danny, that's not the question I want you to ask me. <laughs> but it's exactly the right question. And I laughed. And then, you know, it's um, that question completely pivoted my frame of reference in this, in the entire thing. And I immediately from that day forward began to thank God for this man and to pray for God's blessing on his life. Mm -hmm. And everything shifted in me. And when that happened, then my heart was ready to have God say, and actually not everything that he is saying to you is accurate, but some of what he is saying is accurate. And I want you to hear it. And, and so I'll help you sift through what of this is actually from me. And this is an opportunity for you to grow. So that soft heart thing. Oh man, Mm. is that huge. Mm. It it is so huge. And I think that's probably right. The first step towards cooperation. Oh yeah. You know, because later in verse four, it says you were talking about the, the, um, the verb tenses and how they're Mm. all passive. there you know so god is that working he is the doing the work in us and to us and through us as we're going through these these trials but if we are um if we are (laughs) stiff-necked and stubborn like the israelites in the old testament um then we can't he can't work in us he can't form us we're hard clay and he can't shape us into into who he's wanting us to be as I mix my metaphors and go from Old Testament to New Testament. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think one of the things we we don't have as a cultural point of reference is um is the significance of necks. Um in the ancient world, um the neck was the place where a king would place his foot on mm. his subjects who were flat on their faces before him, on their hands, on their knees, their forehead on the ground, Mm -hmm. as a picture of saying, I completely yield and relinquish my life to you. Hmm. And a stiff-necked person is a subject who rightly should be flat before his king, who's rearing up and saying, "Mm -mm, I want this on my terms. I reject your authority in this part of my life. I, I am my own king here. And so that yeah softness of heart again is so profoundly important yeah i really appreciated your illustration of this at at, with god as a physician Mm. because that works too like if our muscles are tense and we're and we don't fold our arm down in order to receive a shot you know it's super painful and it's really not as helpful as if we just take a deep breath, relax the muscles, prepare our bodies to receive the mm-hmm. shot, then it's way more effective. There's, I remember uh, having a conversation with Shepard when uh, we were doing Nani and Poppy camp and he spent the night with us. Mm-hmm. He was four, I think. And, uh, and we were needing to give him some medicine. And I said, so, and he said, I don't want to take it. I don't want my medicine. And I said, you know, Shepard, I totally get that. I don't like to take medicine at all. But, you know, it's really interesting. You just stop and think about it. I really have two choices. I can wail and complain and grouse and grumble and roll on the floor and kick my feet and 
pound my fists and I'll still have to take my medicine at the end of all that. Or I could just not make it a big deal. Just go ahead and take my medicine. And then think of all that time I've just spent rolling around on the floor complaining. I can spend that reading a book or playing with Poppy or Nani or doing whatever. And, and it was amazing. I mean, he's a bright guy, but as a four-year-old, it's like, oh, give me the medicine. You know, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he got the idea that, um, you know, God is so passionately concerned to form Jesus in us. Mm-hmm. He's so passionately concerned to draw us into his embrace, to draw us, embrace, to draw us near. He's so passionately concerned that we would no longer rely on ourselves, but would rely on him. He's so passionately concerned to form us into instruments of his grace and mercy in the lives of others, and so on and so on and so on. That he's going to keep bringing the medicine to us. Hmm. So if I resist today, I'm still that, that cup of medicine still going to be held out to me tomorrow after all my grousing and complaining. And Oh, yes. That uh, reminds me of a lesson I learned in BSF with Bible study fellowship. Um, I can't remember what we were studying, but it was basically, unless I choose to cooperate with God, I'm stuck in the same place. Yes. Right. This lesson is the same. The medicine is the same until I choose to cooperate. Yeah, that's exactly right. Until until I choose to soften my heart. Yes. And um, you know, like the Israelites, it was forty years in the desert. That wasn't God's intention. That was their choice. Right. That's a great example. Yeah. And I'm I'm so struck by it. and so often C.S. Lewis is like, wow, how does he just keep saying all these things just the right way? It's like it's so <laughs> uh, pithy and astute. Um, but he has this absolutely stunning section. I think it's in his sermon, The Weight of Glory, where he talks about how God is fashioning divine people to share eternity with him, people who reflect his glory in every way. Mm. And we are not fit for heaven right now. And part of this is making us fit for heaven. Mm. It's this absolutely glorious thing. This It's not just medicine to make us well for a bit. It's This is... Things, tools in the hands of God by which to chisel us into glorious, the glorious beings that he intends and intended from the start. And that's mm. that maturity, that completion at the end of this process that James talks about. It is exactly that, making us people who are fit company for the mm. king of the universe. Wow. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's, you know, it's like, I just remember when my kids were toddlers, I mean, I had so many kids so fast. I was always exhausted, so exhausted. And it was so easy for me to, to think, I don't know. I don't want to deal with this today. I don't want to deal with this today. I'm too tired. And by God's grace, he kept bringing to mind um, an incident I had with a friend of mine. I was at her house and it was her child was probably, um, late elementary or early middle school and and she said oh honey would you go clean your room and her daughter looked at her and said no and I was like oh and that that short snippet that short interaction helped me for years to say choosing to do nothing now means I will not enjoy my children later right? Boy, Choosing yeah. to do something now <laughs> means I will enjoy my children later. Right. 
separate in years to come. It's kind of like, uh, you yeah. know, having a puppy and choosing not to train it. And it's yeah. like a, a well-trained dog is way more enjoyable than an untrained dog. Yeah. So you see God's holy tenacity in pursuing us into perfection, into Christlikeness. And, yeah. um, and what more would we want than to be the people God intends us to be? Mm-hmm. And just to keep reminding ourselves of that. Yeah. When it is just we don't right. want to take our medicine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much of the Christian life just comes down to that one simple three-letter word? Yes. Hmm. Yes, God. I'm willing for you to do this in my life. Yes, God. Mm-hmm. I choose to cooperate with the work of your spirit. Yes, God. I want what matters to you to matter to me. Yeah. And so on and so on and so on. It's that that spirit of cooperation is captured in that one little word. And, mm-hmm. and it's easy to think. I, and I just want to say one more time before we close, like it's God's work in us. Mm. It is not me trying harder. Yeah. Right? I watched the movie Spirited over the holidays, the new Will Ferrell, um, Ryan Reynolds movie. And I really enjoyed it. It's a cute movie retelling of the Christmas of Christmas Carol. Um, mm. And, and I had some good points in it, but there was, but most of the movie was, you just try harder, just try harder. Interesting. And I was like, it's such a cute movie with, and I, oh, that's just, that message is just so insidious. Yeah. Yeah, what you're saying takes us right back to the start of the uh, message um, where we did this uh, kind of litany, this shared uh, reading together Mm. that we're going to do some version of probably at the beginning of most of these messages in this series. And we did it for exactly this reason, because it sounds like James is saying, just get your act together. And, And instead, his theology would be consistent with this, where it says, okay, I am the beloved of the Lord. He created us. He he came to us. He died for us. He's, he makes us his own. He's folding us into his love. He's transforming us by his love. He's sending us out in his love. So by our love, this world will know that we are his. But then it ends with saying, as he lives his life of love in us and through us to the glory of God. That's where all transformation happens is God living his life in and through us and us cooperating. Yes. Rich stuff. Yeah. Oh, so rich. Yes. We are the beloved of the Lord. Let's go out on that note. How about that? That Sounds great. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, David, for your time today. I appreciate it. Always a joy to be with you, Michelle. Thank you. And thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We're glad you took a few moments to be with us today. We hope you have a wonderful day, this snowy day in January. (laughs) 